When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is July 30th in this year, 2021. Seven months, seven complete months in 2021. Here we are talking about SmackDown on Fox, Friday night show, Minneapolis. The crowds are back. The build to SummerSlam is in full effect. Alfred, what did you think of tonight's show? Uh, I thought it was a solid show, another nice hot show. There was uh, one thing in a big title feud that I thought was just abysmal uh, that I'm sure we're going to get into. I I did not like that contract signing, but most of the show was really good. I love to see Sasha Banks back, and I just love what they did with the women tonight. Yeah, it was good. But first, before we dive into the show, uh, there's some news. There are some things that happened in the world of professional wrestling this week in between Wednesday when you did AEW. And tonight, when we're doing SmackDown. Boy, is there ever a crazy couple of days in wrestling news. Uh, So we're just going to go through all of these stories. Uh, First of which is AEW at the United Center. The first dance. It's Chicago, Illinois' debut. Has already sold more than 12,000 tickets in the city of Chicago. That is heavily anticipated to be CM Punk's debut. And this is the caveat of this. That has not been announced. AEW yeah. has kind of telegraphed. You know, fans were chanting CM Punk the other night. Darby Allen had a slick line. MJF had a slick line that kind of hinted towards CM Punk. Nothing has been officially announced, but these fans seem to be believing that CM Punk is going to be at the United Center. So that's uh, pretty much, to me, how they were able to really sell out uh, what is going to be an arena show and one of AEW's biggest shows ever. Uh, what do you think about the early ticket sales and the returns? And do you think that this is a win for CM Punk coming to AEW? So on a pure level of schadenfreude, I would kind of like this to be the biggest disaster of fan booking ever that goes wrong. And you've just got an arena full of people that are just losing their shit. I mean, you have to admit, you have to admit, I want CM Punk to debut. I think that'll be great, but kind of just in that morbid curiosity sort of thing. I'm kind of like, kind of like to see what happened if he didn't just to see how that went. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean, it would be a bloodbath. It, it, it might be. I don't want to say it's the death of AEW, but it would be a dark day in AEW. You thought that explosion was bad. Just uh, there might be. A, you thought GCW was bad. You look at all the stuff that gets thrown in the ring if CM Punk does not show up to that show. I mean, if he's not going to be there, they got to get ahead. They got to get ahead. Of, they've Absolutely. got letting this go too far out of control if he's not going to be there. Like they really need to pump the brakes on this. I completely agree, Glenn. I'm, I, I tend to believe he will be. But if, you know, this was all some kind of miscommunication and, uh, you know, people mistakenly took signals that he's going to be there. If he's not going to be there, they definitely need to come out and, and say something, whether it's a press release or whatnot. But I, I find it very hard to believe he's not. All signs point to the fact that he's going to be there. And uh, I think this is a very good night in terms of Rampage, because this is going to be a Friday yeah. show. AEW from a week-to-week basis, yes, it's going to start hot. And I have a, you know, I'm very excited and bullish on the first couple of weeks of Rampage. But this is a level of show it's going to need to be. They need to put their best foot forward. Absolutely. The arena show. And 
I think with CM Punk, because of this, because for years, a CM Punk return, even two years ago, I remember being at All Out in Chicago and people were like, is CM Punk going to happen tonight? Like people then, because he was at StarCast that weekend. I met him in the green room. Like he was there. He was uh, hanging out. Like even then people were expecting that. And I think AEW got a pass because it was still new and All Out was a very fresh live show. We had Jericho winning the title that night. But if this doesn't happen, like, there is no like even Daniel Bryan's not a replacement. If Daniel Bryan shows up and CM Punk doesn't like, short of maybe Brock Lesnar, I'm trying to think of something that the fans would find an acceptable surprise on that level. Yeah, and uh, I'll tell you one thing: they'll never draw in the city of Chicago again, and they're planning to go back there for All Out. And Chicago has really been a good drawing territory for AEW. And the parallel that I can draw is, you know, the Road Warriors one time were expected to win the tag team championships in Chicago back in the day. And when they lost in that home city, it killed the territory for Jim Crockett Promotions or NWA at the time. And they were never able to draw in Chicago. So that city does not play around in terms of, you know, really a promise of CM Punk. If that doesn't come true, they'll never draw another dime in Chicago again. Diehard fans, man. That would be like as crazy as doing a new Masters of the Universe series and like He-Man dies in the first episode. Like, who, who would do such a thing? Or he doesn't even show up in the first episode. Yeah. Oh, oh, you guys thought He-Man was going to be on Master of the Universe. Oh, no, 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 no. Nobody said that. <laughs> Let's stick with AEW news uh, because yeah. this is a fun story. Uh, from one legend to another in CM Punk, uh, to Chris Jericho and Nick Gage, a lot of talk about that uh, match that had pizza cutters, light bulbs. It was a death match as advertised. I didn't get to come on here and talk about it on Wednesday, but I thought it was wild and every bit as wild as uh, you would expect a Nick Gage match to be. Problem was it was national television. So there is a little bit of blowback at one point with Nick Gage having a pizza cutter in his hand, a bloody pizza cutter. They did air a commercial side by side for Domino's Pizza and Domino's is none too pleased to really be directly associated with this violence. They they issued a statement to front office sports uh, spokeswoman Jenny Foras Petko said, we share the concerns expressed about the incident and the content of this TV 14 rated program and are assessing our advertising presence on it going forward. In other words, huh. Domino's is thinking about pulling their sponsorship from AEW after what was like a blood and guts type match. Uh, what did you think about this fallout? Do you think we're going to be seeing much more violence on AEW TV, Glenn? I mean, Domino's a com company that famously advertised during wrestling that if you drop your pizza, we'll replace it because apparently that's a big enough problem with wrestling fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't think they're really paying that much attention. I think it's, 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 it's hilarious that this happened. Like you couldn't have written this better. We were talking off the air about the Larry Sanders show. Like you, this would be a plot that you would write of something if you like wanted to unintentionally piss off a sponsor. Right. I mean, right. it's just. So well done. I mean, these things happen. What are the odds? But I mean, Domino should have a sense of humor about this. I mean, it is kind of like the Garden Weasel episode where, but that yeah. was Larry Sanders going on and making fun of the Garden Weasel. But uh, yeah. uh, I'll tell you this, uh, as much as I did enjoy seeing this match, because I'm a guy who, who likes, you know, all kinds of different types of wrestling, it was hard to watch. And sure. I will say that in terms of national television, like nationally televised wrestling and televised wrestling, uh, things like this are going to turn certain segments off. If you're trying to be mainstream, which, you know, whether or not uh, you people realize that AEW is attempting to become a mainstream pro wrestling company, the level of WWE, that is the end game. That's why they're spending all this money on all this talent. 
is because at the end of the day, they want to be, whether it's 1A or even surpass WWE in terms of a mainstream professional wrestling company. And if that's the goal, yes, it's good to cater to wrestling fans and your core audience. But this, I think, might have gone too much in one direction because Domino's represents money. And Domino's is not the only sponsor that I feel like if Domino's is felt compelled to go out and issue this statement i'm sure other sponsors were looking at that being associated with pro wrestling like wow what is going on with this um you know out of context seeing all this blood and a pizza cutter and a guy cutting another 50 year old man with a cutter and everybody's bleeding that does to a sponsor who maybe not follow this product on a week-to-week basis is going to look a little strange and i don't know if they're going to want to get in bed with a company like that thinking that that's all aew has to offer well, and it does, you're right, it does alienate a portion of the fan base who you don't want to make your fan base uncomfortable, and it can happen. You know, I always use the example of uh, what happened with Netflix and American Vandal. Like, season one, universally acclaimed, season two, in many ways, better than season one. Most people watched the first episode, the crime was so gross, they were like, I can't hang with this. Yeah. And like, just like, and it was just like off a cliff, the, the viewing numbers, you know, so you can't alienate your core audience when you do something that's really that uncomfortable. That does make people think twice about watching something. Absolutely. And uh, and also a quick shout out to Paps Blue Ribbon. Uh, they tweeted uh, <laughs> an article that I had about this whole situation, and they've been really cool about kind of jumping on this moment. They wanted to replace Domino's as a sponsor. And uh, they're one of those Twitter accounts. Wendy's is another one. I think Whataburger is another one that's run by somebody who's clearly a wrestling fan who knows the ins and outs of wrestling. And they have really capitalized on this trying to get a sponsorship with AEW. So good for them and good for the good people at PBR who now follow me on Twitter. So they know what's up. Oh, well, there you go. (laughs) So at least some good came out of this, right? There's something very interesting about PBR. Have you noticed this? From a can, it tastes okay. At a bar, from, from a tap, PBR is is like an exceptionally solid beer. Yeah, I agree. There's a place I went to UC Santa Barbara called OTT, and they used to sell $3 PBRs in mugs, actually. And I used to say the same thing, is because in a can, it tastes pretty much like water with alcohol in it. But yeah. in a mug, when it's nice and cold, you got that draft going, PBR is the, PBR, shout us out and sponsor this podcast, PBR. I really think that you, uh, you'd be very happy to sponsor our audience. Uh, Seriously, I will drink PBR at a bar any day of the week. Absolutely. But from a can, it's, it's, like, it's like that same problem with Budweiser. I just taste the aluminum. You know, and it's just kind of like, uh, yeah, it's not good. Uh, Antoine Fair, two dollars, Alfred with the Luffy from One Piece hat. Yes, I sir. Get, I don't get the reference. Today. My hair's growing out a little uh, bit. I still need to get it lined up, but uh, I felt uh, it was fedora weather, so I'm doing fedora today. I like it. There you go. Uh, Finn Abs four ninety nine. First words, Isa. Uh, I don't know where Isa is tonight. Uh, we were told uh, she was gonna be able to make it, but uh, do we think the CM Punk chance will hijack Raw on Monday since it's in Chicago? Yes. Yes, I do. You know what? I do not. Here's the thing about CM Punk Chance, because this has become kind of a talking point in wrestling communities and circles in that, well, CM Punk Chance return. I think we're still in this honeymoon period with WWE. Wow. And I don't expect the CM Punk Chance to come back until WWE does something that pisses people off where they're trying to send a message. Like CM Punk Chance will be like the F this S chant. Like CM Punk Chance happened when Seth Rollins, you know, had that ref stoppage against The Fiend. I think if something like that happens, like what we got with Karrion Cross. I mean, it didn't piss off the mainstream Raw audience because they really didn't know who he was. But if WWE makes a booking decision that people find to be egregious, like if Big E cashes in and loses or something like that, mm. then you're going to get the CM Punk chance. But I do not. Well, in Chicago, okay, yeah, because it's Chicago. And yes, because it's Chicago, yes. But only because it's Chicago. Even then, I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't get him. I just, for a WWE crowd, I wouldn't be. And another thing that tells me that it might not happen is Shinsuke Nakamura, Money in the Bank, delivered a GTS. You didn't hear one single CM Punk chant 
uh, from those crowds. So I, I think people are over it until they feel like they need to use it to show WWE that they're not pleased. It's true. It is like the free bird of discontent. Yes. Um, Stellar Justin Lopez, uh, Buck99. I thought that was amazing marketing. Uh, I'm talking about Domino's. Um, when things like that happen, you just got to roll with it, man. Like that's, uh, you know, wonderful serendipity uh, at work. The universe, the stars colliding. Um, so what else is going on in the news? While we're talking about the AEW's uh, partners and sponsors, let's talk about WWE's TV partners who are reportedly worried uh, and uh, not happy that CM Punk might be going to AEW. Uh, you know, there's rumors out there that CM Punk's going to AEW is all but uh, ready to return to the ring. And Andrew Zarian of the Matt Men podcast reported that partners are shocked that AEW has pulled off the CM Punk deal, and they're none too pleased that he's going to be in AEW. Uh, uh, WWE is, does not seem too concerned with any of this, uh, or AEW in general. Vince McMahon actually recently said that they're nothing in terms of the level of competition that WCW was. So do you think uh, WWE should be more concerned about this? Because it sounds like their TV partners are, but WWE, if you talk to them, are uh, just kind of keeping it pushing. Uh, they're not competition. Everything's competition. Do you think they should be downplaying AEW like this? I mean, I think they have to, right? I mean, we see this in politics all the time. People love to downplay the other side. Be like, oh, and sure, they have some hardcore vocal supporters, but you know, they certainly couldn't couldn't beat us in an election. Uh, I mean, it's it's. I think this is par for the course. What are they? What's Vince gonna say? Like, oh no, I'm quaking in my boots. I'm not sleeping well. Like, uh, you know, this is really affecting me personally and professionally. You know, yeah. like he's not gonna come out there and just be like, you know, everybody sell your stock now because it's all downhill, all downhill from here. You know, absolutely. And you got to keep a good poker face. I hope internally that they're not overlooking the competition just because pride cometh before the fall. You always got to, you know, even the standpoint that they take that everything's competition that does include AEW. So as long as they're acknowledging that they do present something of a threat, uh, you know, AEW is going to have a lot of momentum. They've got a lot of money behind it. And so they at the very least need to be aware that there is competition and they need to stay hungry. Uh, Antoine Fair saying Walmart doesn't care what Target does. I actually disagree. I think Walmart, I mean, they don't publicly say that, but I guarantee you internally, yeah, there have been, I mean, that, that is part of their strategy. They, I mean, that, that is the only competition. Yeah. Especially Walmart. if Target gets hot and has an idea. It's, uh, here's a, here's an example, Popeye's chicken sandwich, you know, Popeye's yeah. even the second or third biggest fast food chain. Once they came out with the chicken sandwich and everybody wanted it and it smacked, Everybody else took the chicken sandwich idea, which is a microcosm of what happens in the society. Uh, something that black people love gets popular, and then everybody copies it. That's what happened with Popeyes, is that they had chicken sandwich. Now McDonald's has a chicken sandwich. Burger King sure. has a chicken sandwich. Everybody's got a chicken sandwich. So uh, there Rock is Rock and roll, hip-hop. Yeah. It's just long, long tradition. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but here's another reason that maybe WWE shouldn't care too much, Glenn, is that Peacock's numbers came out. And it looks like uh, Peacock had a very, very good quarter, very strong quarter. They've broken the 50 million subscriber mark. Uh, they had 42 million signups at the end of the first quarter this year. Uh, some of that was attributed to Peacock signing a relationship with the WWE Network. And not only is Peacock thriving, this is synergy. WWE is thriving as well. Nick Khan in the Q2 earnings report reported that viewership for the pay-per-view was up 26% from last year for WrestleMania Backlash. It was up 25% for Money in the Bank, 46% um, uh, for, for actually Money in the Bank. And so they are actually doing very well in terms of having more people and getting in front of more eyeballs. So it does seem like this Peacock WB Network partnership is working for both parties. Yeah. It seems like it's going well. But again, though, like, there's a disconnect, right? I mean, they're catering 
to to every single audience except those that actually watch TV on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Fridays. Like they're winning the live events. So they're winning with social media. They're winning with Peacock. They're winning with all these deals, except the ratings keep going down lower, lower, and lower. Right. Yeah. The televised ratings. And that is something and in addition to the ratings. And now the ticket sales are back and it's good to see that uh, WWE is back selling out arenas. But that is more or less because people have been stuck in the house. So there's an excitement before WWE came back. They were struggling with ticket sales. And a lot of these key performance indicators were not doing well from ticket sales to uh, even WWE network subscriptions to television viewership. So WWE hopefully is going to be able to gain this momentum and hopefully they can stick with this momentum that they have behind them. But, you know, raw ratings, SmackDown ratings have actually been, they've held up pretty nicely um, with this, you know, pandemic era now kind of being behind us. And WWE just needs to keep this momentum up and avoid those CM Punk chants uh, and not have bad booking. Uh, but our final story, uh, which I actually think is big, good booking, but it's a big controversy right now in terms of Adam Hangman Page will not be at the main event at All Out to challenge Kenny Omega for the AEW Championship. It looks like that's either going to be Christian Cage, maybe CM Punk, who knows. But Hangman Adam Page was very much expected to win this past week in his team with the Dark Order against uh, the Elite and get that title shot. He did not win that match. A lot of people shocked. Uh, do you think it's the right move to have Hangman Adam Page not challenge uh, Kenny Omega for this cycle of pay-per-view? I mean, I don't know a lot, but based on what I know in the history of AEW, they invested a lot of money in him. And I feel like it is not working out the way they thought it was going to work out. If you go back to double or nothing and what page was being set up to be the guy that was probably going to chase Jericho, right? Like that was going to be the chase for the championship. He had those TV good looks, uh, someone everyone could get behind. And then it just didn't connect for whatever reason. And he had, uh, you know, his character reinvention. He's had all this going on. Um, I mean, it's strange to me that here's a guy that had everything, but for whatever reason, like it just did not work with the audience. Now here he is not in the main event. I wonder where he goes from here. Yeah, I actually love that comparison, Glenn, because it is night and day in terms of when AEW started, he was a challenger. Nobody knew who he was. Nobody knew what made him tick. They just knew he was a good wrestler. And there was a lot of frustration. Like, why the hell is this guy going against Chris Jericho? Nobody bought him. Now we're on the complete opposite. Now everybody loves it. Hangman Adam Page is arguably the most over babyface they have right now. And he's not getting that shot. So people are like, wait, why isn't he getting that shot? He needs to be getting that shot. And I think this is all carefully being done to build to him eventually winning that title. Because I do think if he gets that title shot anytime soon with Kenny Omega literally in the middle of this really dominant run, I think Kenny Omega would have won that match and it would have knocked him down a peg to not get that title win his first time out. Yeah. I think the first time he challenges for that title, he should win and they should really build to it. So maybe he's not ready quite yet, but maybe he is three, four months away. But uh, I think they're just slowly building to him eventually winning that title. So I have no problem with this. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, New Day Rocks, thank you for your super chat asking about... Uh... <laughs> asking about Nick Hausman doing the recaps. Nick is so, but you know, Nick does, if you're not subscribed to the wrestling Inc daily, Nick is like podcasting all the time on the wrestling oh, Inc yeah. channel. I don't know how he would have time effort or energy to possibly do more than what he's already doing. He's like five days a week. Yeah. He does a great job. Great interviews yeah, from Nick Hausman too. Love Nick and a hell of a, an improv guy as well. Very, very funny. Yeah. Um, Stellar Justin Lopez, 499 felt bad for the guy, but with punk and Daniel Bryan coming in, his title run would be overshadowed. Uh, this makes him more of a sympathetic baby face going forward. It is interesting. 
I think AEW knows exactly what they're doing with Hangman Adam Page. I don't think you should shed a tear for him because he is their, their top babyface, arguably, and I think they're planning for him to win that title. They just shouldn't wait too long to pull that trigger. That's There's going to be a gray area where they should pull the trigger, and if they wait too long, it's not going to feel as special. Uh, Alonzo has a good point, saying that 50 million subscribers has little to do with WWE. There's a ton of non-WWE content sure. on Peacock. Most subscribers aren't watching WWE at all. Plus, you know, they're getting that Comcast bounce – like, if you're a Comcast subscriber, I think you get Peacock for free, uh, yeah, like, it, with ads. Yeah, and it's not – the story is not that WWE Network lease of $50 million, Obviously, the $50 million isn't coming solely from W. But it was publicly acknowledged by the Peacock yeah. executives when they were asked what – you know, when they were making statements on their growth. WWE Network has something to do with that. The WWE fan base is a very loyal fan base. They will go over there to watch that. And then there are people who, like you said, get Peacock for free, maybe stumble on the WWE Network. Uh, but yeah, I would say a fraction of that $50 million has to do with WWE. But WWE certainly is somewhat of a difference maker in helping them build that momentum. I credit all of the Saved by the Bell reboot. Yeah, I credit The Office because a lot of people were very furious that it left Netflix and actually canceled their Netflix subscription for Peacock because of it. I know quite a few people who have done that. I do like that they're doing the super cut episodes, but yeah. I got to recommend this. If you do some Googling folks, I rewatched the office two years ago and a, a fan with a lot of time on his hands took all the extra scenes from the DVDs and made like super cut extended episodes for the entire series. So I rewatched it all that way. And it was fantastic to have every single deleted scene inserted back into the episodes. It was really, really good. Yeah. What Google. Character are you, Glenn? That's a good question. I, th I think I'm probably a Michael Scott, you know, at heart. Okay. But I think it is that trajectory, right? We all think we start as the gym and we become the Michael Scott over time. I would say I'm a combination of Jim Daryl and Andy Bernard. And I probably like 50% Andy Bernard and then the rest Jim and Daryl. Yeah. Uh, but what I watch, I mean, man, I mean, like with Office by far, one of the all-time greatest oh, yeah. uh, sitcoms. And uh, Stellar Justin Lopez, Buck 99, saying, let's be honest, Omega versus Punk or Daniel Bryan is money. And and that's part of it, too. But if these guys are on the Friday show, I could see if they have Paige separated. I mean, they can, you know, they're, they're going to have probably have to have a second title or find a way to manage this or put one title on one show and, the you know, one on the other. Uh, Black Saw Johnny Hex 499 says, I hope WWE fixes with their Peacock streaming. That, I missed the entire first 10 minutes of uh, the men's money in the bank ladder match due to what yeah, happened. Yeah, a lot of people, and it was a pretty much a number, I believe it hit number one in terms of a trending topic in the world uh, because of how many people were just furious that Peacock had had those issues and they really do need it. And that's another thing that, that might've been in terms of people looking at what happened, uh, Peacock not being able to handle that many people watching their yeah. network at the same time. And it might've crashed. Uh, I don't know, man. When that punky when when Punky Brewster dropped, I mean, there were probably like tens of millions. <laughs> there might have been like yeah, twenty million people trying to watch that. But uh, yeah, they definitely need to fix that because Peacock right now with WWE fans, I don't think has endeared itself in terms of those streaming issues. Antoine Fair, two dollars, saying, "When do you think WWE is going back to the Thunderdome?" Oh. I mean, <laughs> let's uh, let's see yeah. what happens, folks. I uh, don't, don't want to sidetrack this, but let's see what uh, that Delta does. Oh man! So I'm not going to Nashville next week. No. Oh. Yeah, a lot of people are not going to Nashville next week. Uh, not you know, I just had a thought. Yeah, I think uh, AEW should have Hangman Adam Page win that title on Rampage. You know, if they're gonna oh, establish yeah. this as a show that you have to watch whenever they're ready for him to win that title, I think it should be on an episode of Rampage. 
There are fierce discussions about the chicken sandwich, the spicy chicken sandwich. <laughs> okay, and let me be clear. I think people are getting the chicken sandwich confused with what Popeyes did. What Popeyes did is a completely different, where you heat it up in a bag and you make the chicken extra hot and then you make the mayonnaise and pickles. The McDonald's spicy McChicken is not that. It's just a chicken sandwich. They made one with the bag and the pickles, okay? That, yeah. that Popeye's model is what's being ripped off. Whether you want to admit it or not, it's the hottest sandwich in all of fast fooding. And now guess what they're doing? Now, you know, this is Popeye's kind of stealing from McDonald's. Now they're going after the chicken nuggets. And when Popeye's yeah. comes out with those chicken nuggets, they might reinvent the game again. Veggie Grill, the all vegan fast food chain, came out with a spicy chicken sandwich. Like, yeah. like no end. And let me tell you something, folks that haven't tried this yet. Just you can you can do this at home. One of the best flavor combinations on earth is spicy, sweet, and something like very creamy and rich. Yes. So you take um, there's a sandwich place in the in California and uh, at Southern California Ike's Place. If you've never even been to Ike's Place, go there. Get the going home for Thanksgiving sandwich, uh, which is turkey, which is cranberry sauce and sriracha which is like a fantastic yeah. mix put that some of the ike's creamy sauce on there like beautiful combination it's that same thing it's like sweet pickles hot sandwich like a nice ranch or mayo oh it's i mean it's one of the absolute best flavor flavor combinations these condiments sound like what this podcast usually is i'm spicy east is sweet and you're creamy and rich <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and i mean rich rich like glenn gets that bag ladies and gentlemen <laughs> 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 oh man uh how to follow up that so this this is the first time we've ever heard this one this is not a food podcast get to the rest I wasn't Alonzo the one who's talking about food in the chat <laughs> <laughs> this is the, no this is a podcast about nostalgia about movies about non sequiturs about music and then we work wrestling around the other things we want to talk about. we're going to talk about Applebee's now and then we'll get to wrestling yes oh Baron Corbin probably regrets leaving that gig bartending um so tonight minneapolis minnesota john cena comes out to the ring huge pop gives a rebuttal to roman's promo last week john cena has i can't remember the last time john cena was this over with the crowd yeah yeah they they love this thing you could kind of hear the john cena sucks things a little bit but and he kind of acknowledged it but John Cena is a super baby face, and I like to see it. I mean, it's it's more of a tribute thing because he's back after being gone for so long, and it's one True. of those things where, you you know, absence makes a heart go fonder. So when he was there every single week, people kind of got sick of him because he was, you know, to bring the food analogy back, he was like the McDonald's of WWE, just this brand that you see all the time and he's ubiquitous. But now that there's a novelty to him, people love him. And, and I love seeing it because he's so good as a baby face. And his rebuttal made some solid points tonight. Oh, his rebuttal was, uh, listen, if, if we're scoring this, Tonight, John Cena won, Roman Reigns zero. Like, his rebuttal wow. was fantastic. It was really good. Um, and then, as if this couldn't get better, Baron Corbin came out to interrupt, <laughs> trying to ask Cena, like, get him a roll, uh, give him a hookup, do something. Uh, we found out his credit's trash, his identity's been stolen, and now uh, not everything's working a little after his uh, groin injury last week. Yeah, and he played up the heel. Like, Baron Corbin seemed like he was on the way to being a babyface between kind of partnering up with Kevin Owens, but now he's right back to being a heel. And, uh, I mean, I love this character. I love what he's doing with it, but I really do want to see it as a babyface. I think people eventually want to cheer him between how kind of creative this is, how committed he is to it. And it's a sympathetic figure. Like, guy's lost all his money. I really don't think he should be a heel and sour grapes about it. But, I mean, this was a fun segment. I really liked it. But it looks like Baron Corbin, especially what happened later on in the night, is going to be a heel until further notice, which I think is a mistake. Yeah. Um, 
Although it's interesting how it's connecting uh, with the audience. I mean, tonight people were not on his side. Cena was trying to kind of get them almost to cheer for him, but it wasn't, it wasn't working. I think with Corbin, like it's just so ingrained. I don't know. Uh, they would really have to take this in new and interesting directions. Yeah, and especially standing next to John Cena, he was instantly positioned as a heel in the segment. He cut off John Cena and interrupted him. And these people knew, like, Pavlovian response to just like, oh, we got to boo this guy because he's coming after John Cena, who, as you mentioned, was a super babyface in this segment. So they got to just position him if they want to turn a babyface against uh, the heels of this company, like Adolf Ziggler. I mean, why, why isn't he going after the Dirty Dogs? They stole his money. Why, why doesn't he have a beef with them? Yeah. Yeah, it's really crazy. And hey, you know, uh, Baron Corbin tonight with the problems he's having, I think we got to hook him up with the sponsor of this episode, which is BlueChew.com. You know, guys, have you been hitting the nuts by a toy tank that fired a projectile and perhaps, you know, made you feel a little less confident about your ability to perform? Um, you know, are you having other life issues that are distracting you, perhaps, that are, you know, not allowing you to focus on the things that matter? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Are you worrying about the competition up at night, just wondering what some billionaire is going to do to try and run your company into the ground and take away your livelihood? If you've got so much on your mind that you are not able to get down to business when it's time to get down to business, Blue Chew is for you. We all know the confidence can take you far in life, and it especially helps in the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate, and that's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. So, hey, Baron Corbin, even you can afford this. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. And the process is oh so simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com. Consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. So, Baron, just borrow somebody's computer, and uh, you can make this happen. The best part, it's all done online. So there's no visit to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA. So this is really the most patriotic thing you could do for your sex life. They're prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. Uh, you know, with Blue Chew, men everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. Hey. And it's time to get off the couch. It's time to get back to work. If your tool needs an upgrade, head to BlueChew.com. And if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code WINC at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code WINC to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank BlueChew for sponsoring the podcast. Going to hook Baron up with that. Going to send him a DM. Be like, Hell yeah. man. And if I could just add on to that, uh, John Cena had this great rebuttal to Roman Reigns where he said, if you can find a man who makes missionary position exciting for 20 years, you stay with that man forever. And let me tell you, Blue Chew will make missionary exciting for 20 years. 20 years, Glenn. 20 years. <laughs> it's a good thing Issa's not here. This would go so much further derailed. Uh, no, Blue Chew's the best. Uh, yeah, uh, some good Twitter action tonight, everyone. Uh, recommending that to, to Corbin. And uh, oh, man. And hey, you know, maybe if uh, Domino's doesn't come back, maybe Blue Chew can get that AEW sponsorship slot. Go. Um, so after this opening segment, we had this video uh, about the Mysterios and the Usos setting up Jimmy Uso versus Rey Mysterio. Dominic helping Rey get the win, doing what the Usos did at Money in the Bank, putting his feet on Rey's back to reinforce the pin. What did you think of this match, and how are you feeling about this feud now, Alfred? 
Oh, it's fine. This feud is kind of in a holding pattern, and now we're getting to that part where they're just kind of interchangeable in terms of we'll have this guy face this tag team partner. Um, I don't know where they're going with this. I don't see the Mysterios getting the title back, so I think maybe they should just move on to something else. But this is one of those matches that is starting to run its course for me uh, in terms of Mysterios and Usos. I feel like they've been going at this for quite some time now. Yeah, they really, especially for SummerSlam. I mean, I don't know. I guess the Street Profits aren't both cleared, but the thought of the Mysterios against the Usos. Yeah. That seems like a pre-show match. I mean, it was a pre-show. It literally yeah. was a, See, that's what's ironic. When it was a pre-show match, I don't think it seemed like one. I think that should have been saved for the main show. But now that we've seen it on the pre-show, what's the use of keep running this back? And that's the point. That's the point. You put something on the pre-show and it conditions people to think this is not as good as everything else. Exactly. It is true. It um, is true. Um, Antoine Fair, five bucks saying, okay, so Roman has to change every two years. He just changed. Also, John, why would Roman be scared of you when he beat you already? I wasn't feeling it. I mean, you got to suspend some disbelief here. Oh, you know what's interesting, though? Tonight, Plug Suicide Squad, no mention of Fast 9, which hit streaming this week. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mean on WWE TV? Yeah, it was interesting that they would yeah. mention Suicide Squad tonight. He's mentioned it a few times. Yeah, yeah, like maybe we've seen he's a hyping one at a time. I mean, you can only promote so many things, but yeah, that that would have been a nice plug and worthwhile to do that. Well, and but here's I the will say, yeah. in, in, in response to Antoine Fair, I actually loved that rebuttal by John Cena. I like, I think that was a very good point in terms of, uh, you know, saying that maybe it's not every two years, but that's a very valid point. And I don't know if people didn't care about Roman Reigns; they definitely care. They just didn't take to him the way that WWE thought they would and that they had to change Roman Reigns for him to truly connect with his fans in terms of uh, connect as a heel the way they wanted. And the John Cena, yeah, yeah, I come back with the stuff that I did last time, but that's really what every wrestler does. This is a nostalgic crowd. And this is a crowd that when Stone Cold Steve Austin comes back, he cracks a beer, hits a stunner. The Rock does an eyebrow. Like every wrestler comes back and does what they did. And they kind of adapt it to current times. But yes, they're going to do what got them over. Uh, Chris Jericho is really the only guy who constantly reinvents himself. And now he's getting his head sliced with a pizza cutter. So, like, that reinvention stuff's a little overrated. And you know what he's doing next week, ladies and gentlemen? Mr. Reinvention is facing Ch- uh, Juventud Guerrero, just like in 1997. So, uh, <laughs> what's old is always new again in professional wrestling. So, I think John Cena did a good job disarming Roman Reigns with that promo. Here's the crazier thing. I'm thinking now about this uh, Fast 9 lack of promo. Fast 9, universal picture. Universal owns... Uh, USA Network, where Monday Night Raw is. Suicide Squad, WB, which owns TNT, and the Turner Networks that deal with AEW. Very strange that Cena yeah. would be promoting that so heavily and not Fast 9. Uh, do you watch Fast 9 yet? I have not seen it. I've heard that like, if you suspend your disbelief, what, they, go to the sp- they go to space now? Is that what happens in this movie? They do. I watched it last night. Um, I have to say I was a little disappointed. I'm a pretty big mark for the Fast and the Furious series. Yeah. Um, this one was kind of boring. Also, they make no attempt to explain how John Cena and and uh, Vin Diesel are brothers. Oh, like, okay. there, I mean, there is no, there is just, I mean, I could suspend disbelief. They know even thing like, oh, he's adopted, or we have a different mom. Like, just they do not look alike at all. Oh, we're supposed to believe they're biological brothers? They are bio, and which is weird too, because I, I don't want to spoil it, but they open with like a flashback, and, and Michael Rooker has a bit part in it. And I was like, Michael Rooker's character, I thought he was going to be revealed that he was John Cena's character's father. Right. And no, that did not happen. That would have made a ton more sense, especially because in the flashback, Michael Rooker's character looks a lot like John Cena. It was very weird. It was all very weird. You know, I'm a Tokyo Drift apologist. I actually really oh. like that one. 
It's the only one I haven't seen. We're going to watch it either tonight or tomorrow. Watch it. I think, uh, you know, lower your expectations, but I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I mean, I've seen almost all of them, too. I love Han. Han's one of my favorite characters, but yeah. the Tokyo Drift Crew is in Fast 9. Okay, okay. Yeah, they, uh, a decent-sized part of uh, the movie. But yeah, it's just kind of dull, which is the weirdest thing to say. I mean, I never thought I would say that about Fast and the Furious film, that it was like right. just kind of it's kind of there. Um, Mr. 4125 Burger King bought Popeye's chicken a few years ago. Is that true? Oh, actually, I think I didn't hear that. That makes sense. Well, you know, like there's uh, like Yum Brands, which is Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, KFC. That's why you get the Kentaco Huts, where they're yeah, all together. Yeah, the and Carl's Juniors are one of the same. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brett W. Richardson, four ninety nine. How sweet was that backstabber? Backstabber, absolutely loved it. Alfred, nice hat, brother. Glenn, clean shaven, looking good, kid. So the first thing they want to say, I'm not going to Nashville. Like I'm just getting rid of my hair. It's gonna be Looks so nice. Great, I loved everything about that super chat except the Vikings logo. Go pack, go. <laughs> Vikings are uh, Minnesota. Yes, Minnesota. Where are they were tonight, the the Target Center. Yes, I'm not spoiling Fast Nine. I've hardly spoiled <laughs> oh, no. anything for you. And by the way, the trailer said that they're brothers. Like, it's, it's all over the trailers. Yeah. It's the entire hook of the movie. Uh, Antoine Fair. And the trailer spoiled another big thing that I would have popped for so huge had it been a surprise, and they they spoiled that. Uh, but I'm not going to repeat that spoiler. Uh, Antoine Fair, $5. Yeah, but he said he changed it every two years. That part makes no sense. Can't spend disbelief. Hello, it's a match we saw laughing uh, my ass off. It was on WWE YouTube. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah, the two years was a bit of a stretch, but you know, you, you got to stretch sometimes. It's, we always suspend our disbelief. We're going to get into suspending disbelief in this next, in this next couple of segments, I think. Alonzo saying Glenn looks like Carl Street Sammy saying Kevin Owens. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, Five years ago when I started this podcast, it was Glenn looks like a fat Finn Balor. So uh, this, is, <laughs> this is where the trajectory of my life is on. Bender Rodriguez, uh, shout out to the Enchirito. Enchirito is pretty bomb. If you go to a Kentaco Hut, um, Ask them to add some mashed potatoes from KFC to your bean burrito at Taco Bell. That's like wow. next level. Very that sounds good. Like there's this rapper named Saweetie, and she eats all these wild concoctions. And now McDonald's is going to have a fast food meal after her. This is a lot of McDonald's references on this show. Dude, I am all about the secret menu. Like, especially like with the restaurants I love. Because, I mean, I just, I get bored easily. I like little things to change it up. That's why I'm a hot sauce guy. Because, I, you know, I watch hot mm-hmm. ones. I just order stuff like crazy. And that way it's like just a little something to make it different every time. You forget the Del Taco hot sauce, like the hottest one, like the one in oh, the black packet? The, the Fuego. Beyond, yes. Well, Scorcho is my jam, but Scorcho used to be the hottest, and then yeah. they went with Fuego after that. I like the Fuego. Yeah, Scorcho, though, I think. Uh, I swear it's, man, I missed, I missed Del Taco. You're uh, yeah, Del Taco some good stuff. Uh, so back after Rey Mysterio won that match, we had Bianca in the ring. Um, we had... Uh, Carmella come out, we had Zelina come out, and then we had surprise return, Sasha Banks hugging Bianca, um, this setting up, uh, because uh, she was there to make the save after Vega and Carmella were attacking Bianca, um, so this was setting up a tag match for later in the night. So, how'd you feel about Sasha's return? I mean, the crowd seemed super into this. I loved it, I wish it wasn't spoiled for me. Um, I, you know, you kind of saw it happening when it was getting set up. Uh, but this was great. I mean, especially in terms of how she was received, these people went crazy for her and she seemed legitimately like happy to be back. She really played up just kind of looking around and taking the moment in and just, you know, she was one of the MVPs of the empty arena era. So she's in that arena week in and week out, just doing some of the best work of her career with nobody there. And this seemed like finally she got some recognition from an arena full of people and they just love to see her. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I would have been curious. I think she could have actually like woken up that rolling loud crowd last week for wrestling. She might have been able to. I mean, I don't know. That would have been a tough ask to try to wake in terms of yeah. like, professional wrestling in general or anything that's not hip hop, uh, especially given the fact that the tickets were sold to the hip hop crowd. But I think Sasha Banks could have given them a run for the money and known what to do in terms of uh, getting them to react. Yeah, uh, this was good. I mean, I feel like the main event and what we saw happen was, was telegraphed from a mile away. Yeah, especially as they got so chummy throughout this show. The only reason I did thought it might not happen is because, you know, Pat McAfee was kind of playing up. Oh, can we trust Sasha Banks? So I thought they were going to slow play this, but they were being very, very chummy. And I'm just like, oh, it's only a matter of time. It's actually kind of amazing that when Sasha brought Bailey yeah, into the main roster for that tag program, that like there was no even hint. I mean, they treated it like they were old friends. Right uh, on the roster, like oh, we we push each other to our limits in NXT. Not like like I zap could you for the entire portion of your NXT run, and now I'm treating it like we were old buddies. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting how tonight it was so over the top, and then what we saw in the main event, and we'll we'll talk about that. Um, backstage, twenty four seven champion Reginald um, teasing a match tonight, and man, I thought Reggie was pretty over with the crowd. He's very fun to watch. I think uh, I, I think they really need to do something else with that theme music because it's just this generic funk music. But he's so fun in terms of how he, he's perfect for that 24-7 division because he'll like flip away from people and he'll flip around people to try to get away from them. Uh, he was a little nervous for this promo, but he's a very charming guy in terms of how he talks. So I think he's going to, once he gets comfortable on the mic, he's really going to endear himself. Uh, but I did not know the 24-7 title was a traveling title. Has it always been a thing? I thought it was just a raw exclusive. But uh, it's been a while since I've seen it defended on SmackDown. I feel like when SmackDown first came to Fox, I want to say, yeah. or something. But yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, yeah, I think so Reigns and I think actually Elias when he had it did a SmackDown match. But yeah, this yeah. is this is what it was, and I I think Reggie's a lot of fun with that twenty four seven title. So Otis and Gable came out tonight to answer the call and uh, ended up attacking him. I'm not sure who was supposed to be in the match. Yeah, it was supposed to be Gable and Reggie, and they had a disqualification finish. Yeah. It's essentially a hardcore title, like 24-7. It's on whenever, and uh, yeah, I guess it could end by disqualification. I learned a lot about this 24-7 title tonight. Like, it's on SmackDown <laughs> now. It, uh, it could be ended by disqualification. And you know what? What surprised me is that Otis got Otis chants. Like, these people still haven't forgotten. Like, they were chanting for Otis when he was well, in there. You're talking about a honeymoon period. This is Otis country. I mean, he's from Wisconsin. So yeah. Minnesota is basically – you know? Yeah. yeah. I guess the Midwest. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, it, it was what it was. I like Reginald more than what they're doing with Gable and Otis at this point. Um, let's talk about this contract line, uh, signing tonight. Roman Reigns out with Paul Heyman. what do you think of this? The way he was setting this up and then Finn Balor coming out and really playing it. Like he was so shockingly cordial to Finn Balor. I mean, saying like, I'm going to beat you and you're going to send you back to NXT, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like he seemed like surprisingly chill, like very, like no heat between them. Yeah. I thought Roman Reigns was the only thing that was great in this segment. I thought he was phenomenal in terms of, you're right. He was chill. Even when things started falling apart, Roman's just kicking it. He's just sitting there. He's not even getting up from his chair, not moving when people are fighting around him. He really looked like a badass. He, he kind of looked above it all, uh, but that's the character, very aloof, you know, nothing really phases him. 
so I thought Roman was really good. Um, and he was kind of like big brothering Finn Balor. This is kind of the promo I would expect him to cut on a Finn Balor. Knowing that John Cena's waiting in the wings, he's like, yeah, yeah, you're a nice little challenger kid, but I'm going to show you what's up. I'm going to smash you. Like, you know, this is a character. He's very arrogant and he thinks that he's uh, omnipotent. Uh, but, you know, I'm not, not a fan of what ended up happening in the segment. Yeah. Um, so Baron Corbin came out setting up this idea that like, well, if I sign the contract, I'm in the match, which this is new. This is a new one. I haven't heard of this before. Yeah. It's like, it's like Mad Libs. You can just write in your own info and it's binding. Get a notary there. Um, so Baron came out, but then John Cena came out. John Cena takes the contract, signs it big letter Cena with, uh, (laughs) Uh, and then his signature just in case just in case we didn't know he wrote his name was like i better sign this as well uh yeah so they pierce and sonia said nope this is official this is good paul tried to challenge it but no it's it's going to be roman versus cena at SummerSlam. this is a weird way to get there to say the least it's a weird way this is the number one title in your entire company and you're telling me that it operates by the same rules as a 24 7 championship I mean, this makes so many people look bad in terms of this segment. Like, okay, so if those are the rules and anybody can sign it, where's everybody else? There's like two guys that want to be champion. Where's everybody else trying to sign their name on the paper? You've now established this rule to where the next time they do a contract signing, because you know there's going to be a next time, I want to see that entire locker room pour out and try to sign that contract because you've already established that if you sign your name on the contract, you become a number one contender. So I just think this segment made management look bad because they're just sitting there letting this – happen and the commentators are saying why is this legal why are they doing this <laughs> this made cena look like a heel for taking a young up-and-comer spot and signing after just being away for years and now coming back and just signing his name into a title shot this made valor look like an idiot like he's supposed to be this baby face who's really hot and challenging and not, maybe not an idiot but he now can't even sign a contract to fight for a title the locker room looked lazy for not coming out and this title looks like a joke now that you could just sign your name on a contract and that's how you get a title shot for your most important title so i thought all of this just went wrong. I, I did not like this segment at all. And look, they needed to really, I'm, I'm curious where they go with the story in this. The story needs to be really good. Baron attacking Finn and tossing him was great. Baron and Finn, I saw them at a few NXT live events have matches. Like, these guys are really good together. This could be a really good match, uh, which yeah. could happen next Friday on SmackDown. If they're going to keep that feud going, they really need a good story. But that's, that's is where they need someone like an LA Knight. They need, like, Finn's not a big money character. It doesn't really work with Corbin's gimmick. Like, unless this is a one-off, but this is a story going into SummerSlam, they really need to find a way to coalesce, like, Corbin's trajectory with this. Yeah, and it's so weird that now Corbin's going to be in this wrestling feud against Finn Balor when he's essentially playing a comedy character. Like, Finn Balor now has to work with this homeless guy. And, and what's Finn <laughs> Balor going to punch down and say, yeah, you're homeless. You lost all your money. Yeah, Finn, tell him. Like, that, this is going to be so awkward in that, you know, Finn Balor was trending toward being, you know, an upper echelon guy. I thought they were doing everything right with him. And now that he's just been snatched away from this title picture. And another reason that he looked bad is that he was from the jump presented as the second choice to John Cena. Yeah. And he's sitting in the ring and they're chanting for John Cena during Finn Balor's contract signing. So, I mean, this guy in one fell swoop has gone from – somebody with all this momentum to a mid Carter who's going to be feuding with the homeless guy. It's unfortunate. Um, man, there's so much they could do with, with Corbin still. I think this is the problem. I feel like it's just going to become Vince McMahon, like making fun of poverty rather than doing more creative and interesting angles of, I mean, what if you had someone like Ted DiBiase show up and like, or someone try to like pay Baron to like throw the match or something. You know what I mean? Like there's <laughs> yeah. so much you could do. Absolutely. With I, this I like character. Idea, actually. 
you know, but uh, yeah, I just, I worry. I think it's gonna be a great match, but I think storyline wise, this is going to be just a standstill, you know, and, and Finn Balor's not gonna like what Finn, what's Finn, Finn Balor going to be out there like making fun of him for, for his fall from, from uh, yeah. prosperity. Like that's it, not Finn's character. Exactly. It's a delicate line that they need to cross. And, you know, Baron Corbin, you're right. The wrestling is going to be good. And I love how Baron Corbin works with smaller guys. Like he did a great job with against Chad Gable. And I think Finn Balor is just a great worker. So with a guy like Baron Corbin, who knows, you know, how to work that big man style that WWE likes, I think these are going to be good matches. That's not my criticism. My criticism is like the storyline and creative direction in terms of we're going to get Baron Corbin now, who I think should be a baby face. He's yeah. playing a full-fledged heel. He's, he's right back to Baron Corbin circa 2018. Yeah, man. Uh, Jose Torres, four ninety nine, saying XWWE needs to stay away from AEW because it'll take the attention away from the AEW originals. It's like ECW all over again. I mean, I feel like that ship's already sailed somewhat, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, there's still going to there's going to be WWE wrestlers appearing in AEW and vice versa. Like, I think this whole discussion of are there too many WWE guys is only happening because WWE hasn't signed AEW guys and they can't. But we're going to get to a point where we normalize this and they're just going to go back and forth. And this is good. One of the reasons I support AEW being a wrestling company and thriving is because it's going to open the market for a lot of these wrestlers and the ceiling to make money is going to go up. So people should not be complaining that WWE guys now get to go to AEW. This is always part of the game in terms of when wrestling is at its hottest, you have multiple companies where people could be millionaires. Plus, the guys that they're signing, like I'm trying to think of a delicate way to put this. And maybe it's just that, you know, everyone seemed older in the past. But like with... TNA and Impact, it seemed like they were signing a lot of guys who just like there was a reason why they weren't in the WWE ring anymore. Like they were at, you know, a later portion of their career, like, but they were given a lot of time and a lot of taking a lot of attention away, but they weren't able to really go and do the type of matches that like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe and other uh, homegrown, more homegrown talents were able to deliver. Um, I don't know. I think AEW is doing it better than that because it's not like they're bringing in. Ric Flair. It's not like they're saying, you know, uh, that uh, some of these guys that shouldn't be in the ring should be doing matches. I mean, even with Sting, I think they're, from what I understand, they're they're walking a very uh, careful line with that to not expose his age or uh, the shortcomings for where he's at in his career. Yeah, and that's the key, and that's uh, something that I agree that AEW has been doing a good job of, is they are very clear about not having the ex-WWE guys, or at least somebody branded as an ex-WWE guy, come in and overrun the territory. Sting is very, very decidedly a background player to Darby Allen. Darby yeah. Allen, and that's how you know that he's a big old star, is he can stand next to one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, one of the biggest stars in wrestling history, and Sting does seem like he's the B to Darby's alpha, you know? And it's really, they're doing a good job of using Sting to get the rub and not overshadow Darby. Yeah. Uh, Stellar Justin Lopez, 499, saying HBK did that no four and it was dumb. They turned that to a three-way WrestleMania triple X. Uh, Finn better be furious next Friday and demand to be put in that match. That's true, like, Finn already seems chill about this. I mean, he if he beats Corbin, he better cut a promo after. Even before, you know, I would, Justin, and before you were sitting in the ring ready to sign a contract to get the biggest title in the company, he at the very least, he shouldn't be like, oh, Baron, you're going to get it. He should be like, bump that. You're giving me my title shot. Like, he should at the very least get a match, maybe a TV match against Roman Reigns. Like, I was going to say Cena to qualify, like an sure. official qualifier against Cena. 
you're absolutely actually that would make Cena come out at least it'll make Cena look like he deserves the title shot instead of just upstaging Finn. So that would actually be a better idea is that he goes one on one John Cena and you get a big number for John Cena's in ring return on SmackDown. But yeah, yeah. He, Finn Balor better be pissed off. I'm with you, Justin, and that he should at the very least demand either a title shot or an opportunity to earn his title shot. But yeah, is Bernie DC pointing out one too many X's? Justin Mania 20 XX, not Triple X. <laughs> yeah, Triple X was Daniel Bryan winning that title. Yes. And why wasn't Vin Diesel at Mania Triple X? Oh, well, maybe we'll get Vin Diesel versus The Rock at Mania um, 38. <sighs> XXXVIII. Yes. Uh, so this is where the night lost momentum for me when we had Cesaro Biggie and Shinsuke versus Robert Rudolph Ziggler and Apollo. Um, all of these guys are talented. This just feels like that these guys are like a traveling road company. Like, performing you know like shakespeare at this point like it's kind of like like when's the last time you saw these guys not together in some configuration yeah that's a good point they're like a mini circus where they're all just uh, kind of tied to each other yeah i mean i just uh, freshness man like especially in tonight's show they had so much so much momentum i mean this was fine baby faces won you know uh rick boogs got a good reaction from the crowd Cesaro's swing is super over. That, that swing, yeah. you can love it. Yeah, but this felt like a house show match. It did. Yeah, and, and this is just something that didn't have any stakes. Maybe they're going to spin off into Nakamura versus Apollo Crews, which I guess would be relatively new, but I do feel like they kind of had something, whether it was a month or maybe even two months ago. But, yeah, this was just a placeholder match for me. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Um, and we had Seth Rollins attacking Edge, Edge coming out. So... Um, and Rollins taking the mic, cutting a promo. I mean, this is good. I, they need they need to sustain this, man. They got three more weeks. They got to keep this going. Yeah, uh, you know, Rollins was good in terms. He fought off. We want Becky Chance. I love one of the developed subplots of wrestling. Like until Becky Lynch comes back, she's gonna ruin segments on Raw in terms of people saying we want Becky. She's gonna ruin segments on SmackDown. She just needs to come back so people can stop chanting we want Becky because Seth Rollins was cutting a really good promo. And, he, you know, he kind of fought through this and he did a good job of ignoring it and shaking it off. But I think that's going to be the takeaway of the segment is and then the fans started chanting, we want Becky when he was I mean, he attacked Edge. He is getting more serious, as I had wanted, but he, he's not dropping that silly suit that he keeps wearing. But I'll take that as a contestant because I do like the Seth Rollins character right now. Yeah, it's good. Uh, what I see a photo making the rounds that Becky, her hair is back to she just got it recolored recently. Now, so now people are speculating. Red again. Yeah. Orange, actually. Yeah. She'll be back soon. Yeah. I mean, SummerSlam, do they hot shot it for SummerSlam or do they have her surprise? Interesting because now it seems like too late to bring her back for a match at SummerSlam because they've already decided they're going to do that triple threat match with Nikki Ash and Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. And SmackDown obviously is in full swing with Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. So I think at SummerSlam, we get Becky Lynch stepping up as the next challenger for the Raw Women's Championship, which tells me that Charlotte Flair is going to win another title reign. Let's oh. go. I mean, I like Becky versus Bianca or Becky versus Sasha. Like, I, I mean, that. yeah, that'd be so good. Um, so, yeah, the main event tonight, we had Sasha Banks and Bianca teaming against Carmella and Zelina. Banks and Bianca winning and, you know, it's all all happy, good times. Um, but then Sasha attacks Bianca, makes her tap out twice um, as we go off the air. I mean – Super telegraphed. I don't know if there's really a ton to say about the match. I mean, it, it was there to get to that end segment. But so Bianca versus Sasha at SummerSlam. Absolutely. Does this feel like too much of a, of a repeat of Mania? 
No, especially because Sasha Banks just came back. You know, they haven't crossed paths and she's super fresh and super hot. And, uh, you know, she's back to being a heel. And I think this is really good for Bianca Belair. We've been talking about how Bianca, as good as she's been as a champion, hasn't really gotten uh, what I think is a consistent kind of quality run of opponents. Like, no, no shade against Carmella or anybody like that, but she's been made to do rematch after rematch after rematch. And it's not necessarily that she's just beating one opponent after another. She's just kind of gotten the same two people. And this is a big deal. So if she's able to beat Sasha Banks again, she's going to continue to kind of be a dominant, credible champion. It's going to be a big win. And I'm looking forward to it. It's still a fresh program. It looks like they're going to do things right this time around, and they're not going to have a comedy thing. They only have a couple of weeks to, to do it. So I think we're going to get a straight up, you know, I'm back to take my title back. And, I'm, and she was screaming at her, like, you're only here because of me. So it looks like this is going to be done right as compared to WrestleMania, where they were doing a lot of comedy, and I think unnecessarily. Yeah. I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. Uh, this is going to find a way to make it fresh. Yeah. I, I th- and, you know, Sasha Banks, I mean, she's doing a good because she's such a great natural heel. I just, anytime she has to play a baby face, people love her so she can do it and she's yeah. over, but she's just so good at being a natural heel. Uh, but she was really kind of entertaining, uh, just patting that she was playing the baby face times a thousand. Like, come on, everybody, ESC. So you just knew. <laughs> I don't know how long this is going to last, man. Yeah. We'll see. See where it goes. I'm looking forward to SummerSlam. I think it'll be good. Who do you think wins? Sasha Banks or Bianca Belair? I think Bianca should win, but I could see them. It depends on where the ratings are. You know what I mean? It depends on like, I mean, not not to get really, let's get really meta about this. Like, depending on the way things are going, like SummerSlam could be a little bit, like there could could be a pause on live events. Or maybe some sort of scaling back after SummerSlam, depending on how things are going. So I could see them almost saying, like, we need Sasha because we need to make this as hot as possible mm-hmm. if we're going to have to wait a little while again before we go full crowd and tour schedule, you know, as far as, like, ratings and TV. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's easy to think about all of these different factors. But let me just say this. Bianca has done every single thing they've asked of her and more. I think she's been fantastic. She's been holding it down. If she's not connecting, it's because they haven't booked her in a single compelling feud. Like Bailey was okay. Carmella, I don't feel like ever had any heat behind it. Like that's on them. That's on WWE creative. If Bianca, if they deem her not worthy of continuing to hold the championship, like that is their fault, not hers. Right. And she has no problem connecting. I mean, she got one of the biggest reactions on the show. And, she, yeah. you know, in that match a couple of weeks ago and Carmella, when they returned to live fans, those people were just eating her up. So, yeah, I don't think she's having a problem connecting. And I really do hope she does beat uh, Sasha Banks because Sasha Banks can take that loss, even though it's her first big match back. Like she can afford to lose a match like that and be fine. I just think if Bianca Belair did, it would be a step back and the, the title reign would be over before I felt like it really started. Yeah, but that being said, this is the tough thing about a baby face. This isn't just Sasha. You could take any heel and you could put them, you know, if they're good enough and entertaining enough and have enough swagger and uh, presence, like you could put them in a feud against a mop and be like, that's a really good feud. (laughs) Like a lot of heat in that feud. You know, they really brought it with those promos, man. Really put that mop in its place. Uh, Talk about nostalgia. Maybe we will see Moppy back. Didn't uh, Saturn used to have Moppy. Maybe we'll see Moppy return with the rest of everybody. But a baby face can't do that. Bianca can't be out there like cutting promos. Like that's the problem. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's the problem with it. Like you can't do that. And that's um, the problem Bianca had with Carmella because Carmella, like they haven't developed Carmella's character enough. So Carmella's got like one promo she's been cutting 
this entire time, you know, it was just not dynamic. And I think that's the thing. It's like, you can't give somebody placeholder opponents. That was the problem with Bailey is that Bailey was so dynamic, but the writing for Bianca wasn't as good as the writing for Bailey. So that this is where it comes into it. And this is where, WWE makes it like Simo the performer, the brass ring performers get themselves over. They hold their spot. If somebody's more worthy, they're going to wor work it and outgun them. And it's like, no, what you give them in terms of content, like you are complicit and part of this partnership that determines how over a performer is with the crowd. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to give them the best material to work with so that they can uh, really make use of their talents. Cause there's a lot of talented people in this company. Yeah. So I don't know. So I think that with Sasha, like I could see them doing that, but it's not for the right reasons. It's because I think that they perceive Bianca isn't connecting on the level they think she should be connecting on, right. you know, or they just don't have any other good fuse. I think you could do Bianca and uh, Sasha though for a while. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I would, maybe they run it back. They're going to have a great match. People are yeah. going to be hot for this match. It's going to be, you know, going to be one of the bigger matches on the show. It's going to be a loaded card because I was going to say, I could see this show match closing the show, but I mean, we got so many, you know, this is Goldberg's coming back. Cena's going to be back there. They're going to get Edge and Seth Rollins. There's going to be mm -hmm. a lot of big matches. So this will be – I know they're going to try to place this in a place that's not going to be a popcorn match. So it will be put somewhere where people are going to really react to it. It might even open the show, which is a big spot and a, a great place to be in for a match. Yeah. Uh, Brett W. Richardson, 499. Do you think Sasha goes heel if Bailey didn't get hurt? That's a good question. I do. I think this was always the plan. I, I don't think this is a, oh, we, we got to bring Sasha back for Bianca Belair. I think the plan always was when Sasha comes back, it's going to be at SummerSlam against Bianca Belair. I think this is always what they wanted to do. I would like to see Bailey with Sasha again. I would like to see Bailey again, period. Like, just because she hurt herself, I know she's rehabbing, but she could do that talk show. She's a very valuable asset. I mean, part of her getting over during that pandemic period was the character. I mean, as great of a wrestler as she was, she really developed as a talker and as a character, as an act. So she could do this with one leg. It'd be fine. People don't do that on the main roster, though. I mean, in fact, the only history, and I'm not saying, and maybe this is a case where it's like a little bit hustle and then just being crazy enough to do it. The only case I can think of with this is Enzo when he got her in NXT and you hear him talk about it. And he was like, I I'm not going to stay off TV. Like, they're going to fire me if I'm off TV. So he like got a rascal scooter and showed up. Like well, ready that's to exactly go. That's what the Miz is doing right now. Actually, yeah. he's he's you know he's not getting off TV. He's got one leg. He's got the drip sticks, and he's been cutting promos and uh, you know doing well, there the you go. spot. You know? So Bailey, get yourself a scooter, show up, you know, do what you can when when you're ready. When you're ready to. Absolutely. But yeah, that's interesting. So because the Miz ends up like, but we don't see that a lot though. It's interesting. Normally, yeah. people just go away and let they almost let creative forget about. Them. Which is yeah, very take him off TV, and uh, you're not going to see him for a while. But you know, Miz is one of those rare breeds. He just all he wants to do is work and you know be on TV. Uh, but yeah, you you typically they'll just get taken off TV. But you also have to think with the schedule and with everything, like time off from WWE. Like let's just you know put ourselves in in the shoes of your average superstar. That's all got to sound maybe not like the worst thing, right? Yeah, especially uh, not only for your body to heal, but wrestling fans, you saw tonight with Sasha Banks, when you come back, you're over, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Wrestling is 365 days, 24-7, so seeing the same people over and over, your reactions are going to peter out, and or they're going to settle to a certain level, uh, but when you come back, you're going to be a fresh coat of paint, and they're going to love to see you. Yeah. So there you have it. That was SmackDown tonight. Three weeks till SummerSlam, right? Yes, three weeks, three weeks from Sunday. Slam. 
shaping up to be a really good show. I'm actually very excited. I'll be there, and I'm uh, very much looking forward to being in Vegas for SummerSlam. And three weeks from tonight, AEW Rampage starts, right? August 20th. Oh, no, August 13th, yes. Um, 13th? I thought it was the 20th, 13th. Yeah, 20th know. is going to be the second show, I believe, but it's coming it, up in it. the next couple of weeks. They're really gearing up for AEW Rampage. I think, you know, at least for this first couple of months, again, this needs to be on the same level of Dynamite. They're going to really need every single week to compete for attention because Friday night for the younger demographic that AEW has is going to be tough to maintain like a, a strong audience. But I think they're going to absolutely do it this first couple of months. I'm curious about this. Oh, is Rampage only going to be an hour-long show? Oh, that's a good question. I, I'm not sure. I think it's two hours, though. What will that mean for this podcast? Yeah, I know this podcast is planning on covering Rampage. Um, <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> I can tell you that. Uh, but every uh, Friday at 10 Eastern, I don't know what the, the time is. I'm pretty sure it's two hours. But No, it's an hour. Just chat, if anybody in the chat knows, is it an hour? I think it's an hour. Oh, okay. well, saying it's an hour. I'm in for the first few. We'll see how this goes. But do the SmackDown fans want that? Do our, right. It do is our, an hour, yes. Do, do our SmackHeads here on the Wrestling Inc. podcast want us to uh, cover AEW Rampage on the same show as SmackDown? Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be the same show. I really don't know how it's going to I don't know what the production is going to be for this, but there is a, I know there is a plan to cover Rampage in some capacity. I just don't know if it's going to be on the same podcast as SmackDown or if there's going to be a separate component for Rampage, but uh, listen, it's, uh, at Rampage, we can't not cover, especially if CM Punk shows up on Rampage, you can't not cover that. True. I don't know. I might just go full Paramount Back to the Future Legally Blonde again. <laughs> yeah. I miss those. I miss those uh, little troll jobs. Oh, I'm just, I'm just going to recap Clifford. I'll reenact Clifford in its entirety. <laughs> I basically watched the second time. I've gone on YouTube after watching the Tuesday. I got to say this again. If you've not seen 1994's Clifford, this movie escaped me. I had a misconception of what it was about. This movie is nuts and is seriously one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. Yes, because uh, it, it's just bizarre. Martin Short, at 40 years old, plays a 10-year-old boy against Charles Grodin, his uncle, and he plays it like, the, yeah, they don't try and explain it. It's not like the movie Jack. Where, well, he oh, the documentary no. the movie Jack. That's, I love that movie. Really? I did like Jack when I was a kid. And, you know, I haven't seen it in a while, but I absolutely loved the, uh, the movie Jack. It also features he who should not be named. Yeah, I was going to say, like, parts <laughs> of Jack. Parts of Jack, are, parts, <laughs> parts of Jack are aging worse than the character of Jack. Uh, which you'd get the reference if you'd seen the movie Jack. Jackson <laughs> Callens, Buck 99 saying, here's money. Thank you, Jackson. <laughs> Thank you, Jax. Uh, cool. Um, okay, well, have a great weekend, everyone. I will see you back here on Tuesday for NXT coverage. Issa will be back with us on Tuesday, and uh, have a great weekend. Until then, he's at This Is Nasty. I'm Macklin Rubenstein. Take care, everyone.